friends, foes, lovers, enemies, betrothed, divorced. <laughs> Welcome to the Smug Bucks. It's okay. me, Liz, your host, one of them, and there's another yep. one, and his name is Will. How are you, Will? I'm all right, Liz. How are you? Good. I'm sipping on you're, some rye with some honey vanilla lavender syrup I made. Sounds good. Uh, with some club soda. I learned, do you know the difference between like plain sparkling water and club soda? I don't. Uh, baking soda. Ah. I mean, sodium bicarbonate, but baking soda okay um so there's like salt essentially there's sodium Mm. Mm -hmm. in club soda Mm -hmm. that isn't in just plain sparkling water um but there's not that which i think makes it like a harder bubble like a more aggressive bubble yes how are you what's up not too much uh it's a uh it's a friday night when we're recording this uh it is june 11th 2021 Mm -hmm. And uh, I have uh, no complaints. How how about you? Well, we're moving this weekend. Yes. So that's sort of ridiculous. That's, what, that's what's going on. Um, our house is about half packed. We have to pack all of the library still, mm-hmm. um, which is a lot of books. Of course. Um, and then I'm going to a, a birthday party tomorrow. Okay. For a dog. Oh. It is Crouton's first birthday party, my brother's girlfriend's dog. Happy birthday, Crouton. Uh, the little jumper that he is. He can jump like three times his height or something. Sure. <laughs> um, he apparently got the whole, almost got the whole Thanksgiving turkey. Oh, no. Where like, he jumped on the stove. And he's <laughs> like, maybe like, you know, two feet tall from his like front paw to his head. Uh-huh. But, like, you know, his back is lower because that's the way dogs are shaped sure. most of the time. Um, he's a Labradoodle. Okay. Uh, but I've never been to a dog birthday party. It's themed. Mm-hmm. It's very Hungry Caterpillar themed. R.I.P. I got a paper. Yeah, her, I asked. I think I asked Amelia last week. I was like, will there be a eulogy? And she was mm-hmm. like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. But I got a physical invitation. Wow. Yeah. Amelia's not fucking around. Going all out. Um, but Kenny keeps saying, we have to get Crouton a present. And I keep mm-hmm. saying, do we? And he keeps saying, it's a birthday party. Yeah. <laughs> that comes with the territory. Um, but yeah, and then Sunday we have friends coming over to help us move boxes. Um, and then Monday the actual movers come for all of the things. Great. And I feel like the last time I talked to you on the podcast, I was injured. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm still very injured. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. I'm getting an MRI on Wednesday. Okay. I um, Why? <laughs> I mean, I, I know you hurt your ankle, but <laughs> I thought you had, like, seen a doctor and the doctor had diagnosed it and, you know, you knew what it was. They knew what it was. Has it gotten worse, therefore you're getting an MRI, or It what? hasn't gotten better, pretty much at all. Okay. Um, which is not totally true. Um, so I got, I saw an urgent care doctor. The urgent care doctor said, I think it's fractured. 
the urgent care doctor also said, this is a terrible x-ray machine. <laughs> mm-hmm. Did I tell you this? Yeah. So basically it was like a lower resolution x-ray machine. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, if you had like a shitty camera phone from like 10 years ago versus like an actual camera. Didn't you see someone who told you it wasn't fractured? So then I saw the doctor that wasn't fractured, and he said it wasn't fractured. And he said, Mm -hmm. I'll see you again in two weeks, and if it's not doing better, we'll probably order more tests. And so I saw him, that was this week. Okay. And he was like, how's it doing? And I was like, he was like, how does it feel to walk on it? And I said, well, I'm not walking on it outside of it being fully immobilized in the boot, because it feels bad and it hurts. (laughs) Mm-hmm. So when I say it's not any better, what I mean is it's better than when I first heard it because I've gotten the swelling down. And so it's not like really swollen, mm-hmm. which is where a lot of pain comes from. It's just like the inflammation, right? Because it's like a big bruise. Sure. Um, But now it's sort of like, like if you have a crack in like a glass mm-hmm. and I know it's not fractured, <laughs> but like if the crack is just there, but it's not getting any better. You know, it's also not getting any worse because I'm being very careful. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, like, I don't, th- I would not feel comfortable. The other night I went rogue around two in the morning. I had to go to the bathroom and I did not put my foot into the boot and I mm. knocked my foot into the boot and it, it tweaked and I thought, oh no. <laughs> sure. So that's why I'm getting an MRI, because basically they want to see if something's torn, and if it's very torn, they'll do surgery. Um, the doctor doesn't think I'll need surgery, but the reason that I want to get this test specifically is so that, because when I tore my ACL, I could walk on it after a week. Mm-hmm. And they said, then it's fine. And really, I needed ACL reconstruction surgery. And if I had gotten an MRI, which I did not get because I did not have health insurance, I would have gotten ACL reconstruction surgery and I almost certainly would not have torn my meniscus. Mm-hmm. And so my fear is that I will not, I my that my ankle is very torn, that I've been so careful it does not seem that bad. Right. And um, that I'll just continue to go about my life and then someday my foot will fall off. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's all of our fears, I think. <laughs> I think so. So when is the MRI? Wednesday. Okay, gotcha. Okay. And maybe it really just needs to continue to be immobilized for another three weeks. But it's been, I haven't done anything for three weeks. And it's like, basically, like I said, not gotten, it's, it plateaued very quickly. After about a week, it had complete, it has not been better than that first week. And the plan is you'll be in the new place by Wednesday, if I understood Uh you correctly. And is it somewhere, somewhere close? The new place? Yeah. Yeah, it's like four miles away. It does have two flights of stairs. (laughs) Womp womp. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's what's up in the world of Liz. Do you have any old business, my sweet? I don't think so, do you? I have a bit of old business, sort of. Okay, well, let's hear that jingle. Old, old business? business? Question, Question mark? mark. I watched Promising Young Woman today. Oh, that's old business, yeah. Yeah. For the Oscars that we never talked about after they happened. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we can do a mailbag episode that's just us. It's not actually a mailbag. It's just us talking about the Oscars. Maybe. Um, but yeah, I watched it. It was really good. I really liked what mm. Carrie Mulligan did with her voice. 
Mm. Do you know what I'm talking about? Not really. Did you see The Gatsby, The Great Gatsby with Leonardo? No. What? No. You didn't see a boy Leo? No. Why do I care about that? Oh, I love The Great Gatsby, so I care a lot about it. Mm-hmm. Um, But she was Daisy Buchanan in that mm-hmm. movie. And this voice, I mean, within the range of like what is quote unquote considered a female voice, I'm putting in quotes because, you know, clearly there's a wide range of women that have different voices, but her voice is like the opposite of Daisy Buchanan's mm-hmm. um, to the point that like, if I wasn't looking at her face, I'm not sure that I'd know it was her voice mm-hmm. um, because my main exposure to her otherwise was in The Great Gatsby. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I really liked, I, I mean, like, I know, I feel like there's like a lot of complications and nuance and discussion, but in general, I really liked watching it. Um, and it was okay. hard, hard and good. Hmm. Okay. How did you feel? Did you hate it? No, I didn't You're reacting hate it. like you hated it. And like, you're just like politely nodding your head at me. I'm reacting like I, uh, am a little bit disappointed because I was expecting that you were going to have a take on the movie involving the controversy. I, I, I thought the this ending, is, you mean? it's more than just the ending, but yeah, absolutely. The ending is a big part of it. Uh, yeah. I just thought that this is a, a movie that is engaging in a conversation in a, to, I think mixed success. Yeah, no, uh, no, I think so too. I, did, I, I also did just watch it. So I did think that you watching it would provoke some, had the potential to provoke some some heated conversation. Um, but if you liked it, good good for you. That's great. I, I'm happy I think for it's, you. I think I'm still marinating on it. I definitely was like, um, like the whole stuff with Alison Brie. Yeah. I, I at first thought that she was like she let Alison Brie be assaulted Mm -hmm. and when that was happening I was like oh I'm not on board with this spoilers for promising young woman she lets and creates the conditions for making Alison Brie think that she was assaulted yes until Alison Brie can't take it anymore and then she sort of lets her off the hook yeah uh which is an interesting one of many interesting choices that the movie makes that her her victims are not only men. Yeah. Which would have been very easy. Yes. <laughs> and perhaps preferable. I guess I don't see it as being at least my take right now and maybe I'll feel differently when I watch it again if I watch it again with Kenny is that I don't seeing it as being a moral film right it's yeah it's not a moral play yeah it's more of an anti-hero narrative you know someone who's yeah in the gray area i see it as like um when there's nothing left to burn you've got to set yourself on fire okay i see it as the last you have you ever read the poem power by audrey lord Probably. This is my favorite Audre Lorde poem. Yeah, She's I know. A, I mean, she, yeah, because I bring it up all the time. Yeah. And the way that it ends in, the way it ends, the last verse of it is, 
stanza is, I have not been able to just touch the destruction within me, but unless I learn to use the difference between poetry and rhetoric, my power too will run corrupt as poisonous mold or lie limp and useless as an unconnected wire. And one day I will take my teenaged plug and connect it to the nearest socket, raping an 85-year-old white woman who is somebody's mother. And as I beat her senseless and set a torch to her bed, a Greek chorus will be singing in three-quarter time, poor thing, she never heard a soul, what beasts they are. Uh -huh. It felt like that. Okay. <laughs> Great. That's, yeah. Um, that's, that's about as much time as we should spend on old business, right? So that's yeah, an sure. appropriate conversation stopper. Um, yeah, and read read all of Audre Lorde's poems. It doesn't take long. Um, so okay. what are we talking about today, Will? Uh, you're talking about school uniforms and or dress codes, I yes. understand. And how much they suck. <laughs> Clearly. Um, it's, I it was... would be weird if you took the opposite position. And that that was what you it, wanted to devote the podcast yeah, to. Yeah, it would be weird for me, but I think there are a lot of people that really believe that there's, like, uniformity creates some level of, like... Yeah, there's a lot of people ground. who believe a lot of things, some of them the worst. No, but I mean, like, there there are people that genuinely believe that um, it creates some sort of safety and equity. Which mm -hmm. is something I'm interested in. Okay. Um, so, yeah, what's your baseline here, Will? Uh, I went to Catholic school. I had a school uniform at St. Luke's. Oh, like uh, as a youth. Which, uh, which I attended uh, through eighth grade. Uh, and then I went to a high school where we did not have a uniform. However, we did have a dress code. Yep. Uh, and it was, as you know, uh, all boys. Mm -hmm. uh, so can't speak to what the dress code was for girls in my high school because there were none. <laughs> um, or at least none who were out as such at the time. Yes. Um. Yeah, they had the same dress code that you did. And what was that dress code like? Do you remember any specifications of it? Collared shirt and, like, dress slacks. So you'd wear, like, polos every day? Oh, mostly button-downs. Uh-huh. I don't think polos would have flown. Really? But that's a collared shirt. Maybe the, maybe the code said button-down collared shirt. That's fair, yeah. Um, and I, I think it was, I think it was okay to wear short sleeves. Oh. Maybe, I think, if I remember uh -huh. correctly. Did your school have air conditioning? Sure. I ask this because, um, my elementary school did not have air conditioning and neither mm -hmm. did my junior high and still does not, or at least did not as of like two or three years ago. Well, uh, I thought you were asking about high school, but I think the answer is yes, regardless. This is something that I've sort of recently realized, which is that there are some buildings that still don't have air conditioning and they're mm -hmm. like schools. Yeah. Don't talk to me too much about this because you will only be reminding me 
that right now I have the air conditioning turned off in the house for the sake of (laughs) the podcast audio. And it is uh, 6.30 at night, and my computer does say that it is 102 degrees oh, bless you, Will. outside in Tucson, Arizona. So, And it's actually very cold here for even this area today. You didn't have to say that, and fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I, I, but I bring that up because I think that that, um, I think that Climate control plays a role also mm-hmm. in dress codes in a way that I think is interesting. Yeah. I was having trouble formulating this episode, which I wanted to talk about because it's something that I get super angry about and also thus smug about. Of course. Um, but when I say it out loud, I just want to be like, they're bad. And why can no one else see that? Um but the the truth of the matter is is that they're rampant. You know, every pretty much every place has a bad dress code. That's a school. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I googled um, like dress code school suspension or something like that um, to try to find some example articles, some of which were specific incidences I remembered from recently. You know, there were articles from a week ago. You know what I mean? Like, this is the sort of thing that comes up in the news constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because school dress codes are racist and sexist and classist. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I went to public school. Mm-hmm. And we had a dress code. One of the things in the dress code was that... Uh, you know, the dress code also includes your hair. Mm-hmm. So you weren't allowed to dye your hair colors that weren't natural colors. Sure. Now, this was sort of bullshit because, you know, there were plenty of people with that, like, magenta box color that, like, middle-aged women at the time liked. But you couldn't have, like, blue or yellow or green or orange. Mm-hmm. And the penalty for this was suspension. Yeah. Um... That was sort of, I mean, I think the idea was that you'd hypothetically get a warning, mm-hmm. um, but in in the in the code, it was like, oh no, you'll be like suspended from school, and you have to change it, or you'll just continually be suspended. Mm-hmm. Um, other things, there was things about length of garments, um, about like based on the art, like your arm. So this is something I know you didn't have to deal with. But the idea was that your shorts had to be longer than the tips of your fingers, basically, when you held them at your sides. Right. Which is a very silly metric. And your the straps for tank tops were supposed to be three fingers wide, which I want to say was literally impossible. I am wearing, I realized, a three finger wide strap yeah. tank top right now. It is. This is a men's tank top. Sure. Technically, it should be wearing it like this. Am I wearing this backwards? <laughs> no, there's the pocket. I was like, I don't see the pocket. Am I wearing it backwards? Mm-hmm. Um, which, yeah, like they just didn't make tank tops that shape at the time. Um, Did they then, make tank tops with pockets at that time? Which <laughs> I didn't know that they were made at this time. Yeah, I, this is it's like a weird old Navy men's tank top. It's got like a weird like polo 
pocket yeah. in the front. I don't mm-hmm. know what one what a man would keep in that pocket. His pencils, of course. <laughs> in inside his pocket protector. Yeah, his pet. Yeah, this this like man wearing a tank top. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or maybe he'd need like um like his one tube of chapstick. I could see cigarettes going in there. Oh yeah, I'd look real hot if I put cigarettes in there. I could pull them out and like um do the tap tap. Yeah. As much as cigarettes are bad, we all agree that people look like hot when they're smoking a cigarette, right? I mean, you're not supposed to say that, but there's lots of things that you're not supposed to say out loud that you might still might think are true. Like, uh, and one of the things associated with that is like when the dudes in like the 50s or 60s or whatever would roll the cigarette packs up in their white t-shirts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have a real weakness for a dude in a white t-shirt. Let me tell you. Absolutely. I've told, and Kenny is like, I've told this to Kenny before. He'll be wearing like an undershirt and I'll be like, you're really good today. He's like, you are so weird. Why is this your thing? <laughs> it's Hollywood. Um, but yeah, that 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 was the sort of things that I remember from my dress code. Um, but there mm-hmm. were other things too that didn't apply to me. Um, you know, rules about like where your your pants were supposed to hang. They weren't supposed to hang um, below your butt. Sure. Um, which seems reasonable, but is actually racist. Mm-hmm. Um, you weren't supposed to, uh, wear like jerseys that didn't have like t-shirts underneath them or something. Um, mm-hmm. and you weren't allowed to wear hats. This is always a rule. And I never understood this one. You're not supposed to wear head coverings unless it's like a, a religious thing and you're like Muslim or a Sikh. Sikh. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that was sort of the, the dress code. And I remember sort of recently saying something to my friend Kathy about the fact that I think all of the time about how there's this one outfit I wear to work that I wouldn't have been allowed to wear to high school. Mm-hmm. And the outfit is a, a skirt. It's like a floor length skirt that comes up um, above my stomach, like a really high waisted skirt. Mm-hmm. And I wear it with a tank top, which is has straps that are too narrow. And then a scarf tied around my neck as I'm wont to do. Um, when I go into the office, but yeah, I would have been, um, it's, it's a very flattering outfit. It's very professional and I would have not been allowed to wear that in my high school. Um, and that's very silly. Um, you are reminding me that, uh, there, you know, uh, there's such a thing as, I don't know. Is it a, is it a dress code? Is if it's not literally called a dress code? Uh, I, I'm talking about professional workplaces here yes. that we mm-hmm. go to as adults. Mm-hmm. And I'm reminded of my my first workplace out of grad school, where part of my orientation to the office was. Uh, rundown of what the expectations were for professional attire mm-hmm. uh and uh friday uh on fridays a, a casual fridays a certain kind of t-shirt was encouraged you know but the the collared shirt was you know expected on us and the dress slacks and throughout most of the week and i i just bring this up because i remember my manager who was explaining this to me making a comment like 
the collared shirt rule, quote unquote, applies to men and not to women. And you will see women around the office usually wearing other kinds of tops, including blouses and just T-shirts. And I don't remember exactly how he put it, but he made some kind of remark about like, you know, must be nice. Yeah. To like wear a t-shirt to work and you're still considered professional looking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say that it absolutely does extend to workplaces and it's especially confusing in workplaces because, um, as, you know, at least for men, it's very clear what the expectation is most of the time. Like you knew what you were supposed to wear. For mm-hmm. women, it's this like sliding scale of what is or is not professional. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes where the professionality, that's not a word, um, rests is in correlation with how conventionally attractive you are. Mm-hmm. So if you are conventionally attractive, you could probably get away with um, like a tank top with like a statement necklace more than somebody who's less conventionally attractive. Mm-hmm. Because if people are assuming that being attractive is like moral good, then when you are wearing an outfit and you are already conventionally attractive, you fall into this moral good category, which is thus professional. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it can be very confusing. I know um, my job is um, the dress code is business casual. Um, but you're allowed to wear jeans, um, as long as they're not, um, like ripped, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, they can't be those holy jeans. And, um, but you're, but I mean, hypothetically, I'm not supposed to wear sneakers. And when I was going into the office, I just was wearing sneakers. And I, I finally said something to somebody said something, or I said, we were talking about it. And I was like, my body is so hurt that I cannot wear women's shoes that aren't sneakers without hurting myself more. And so I'm just, if somebody, if somebody from HR is going to tell me that I can't wear sneakers, I'm going to get a note from my doctor basically. Mm -hmm. And that's ridiculous because like I need arch support. Like I have orthopedics. I can't, I can't wear flats without my feet hurting. Mm -hmm. And I'm definitely not wearing heels. Um, one of my, my first workplace, um, not in my department. And this is the other thing. Oftentimes these these dress codes at workplaces will vary from department to bar- from department to department. So on the trading floor at my old desk, at my old job, you know, when I was 23, they had to wear the women had to wear stockings. Mm-hmm. Um and this is in 2011, stockings. Mm-hmm. Um which is Wild. I mean, hypothetically, I my unshaven legs would be considered unprofessional. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, you're totally right. I'm focusing on high school specifically um, because um, high school students are so much more vulnerable mm-hmm. because they have so much less agency. Yeah. Um, and one can also absolutely argue that, you know, people, vulnerable populations also have less agency in a job setting. But um, I think across the board, people have less agency in high school. And I also want to make sure that I tie this, and I'll get to this too. This is going to tie back to my gendered clothing episode because it's 100% related. Yeah. So um, now that we've sort of just generally laid the groundwork for for dress codes, why are they bad? Um, 
so this is the sort of like, this is my sort of like introductory paragraph. Um, high school administrators and parents hypothetically buy into the idea of dress codes because they're trying to argue that they create a safe and equitable learning environment without distractions. Distractions is always the word. When in reality, what they do is they create an environment that is sexist, racist, classist, um, not uniformly, wink, wink, enforced. And, um, and this is where it gets depressing essentially contributes to the school to prison pipeline for black and youth and other uh, people of color, Hispanic youth and et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it's a way that you can get infractions and then get in trouble constantly for something that's completely unrelated to learning. Right. So I want to talk about like, and then I want to end and I want to sort of like talk to you about like, well, what would be a, like, if there, if there's a dress code, what's a good dress code? So think about that as we're going through this. Cause I want to, I want to workshop with you. Okay. Um, so I do want to say up front two things. The first is that, um, I think that there is something to be said for safety. And I think that there are some dress codes that are addressing safety in a very, like literal sense. Um, so like, for example, it is not safe or good to be, um, in gym class wearing flip-flops. Like you should not be running a mile in flip-flops. That is an actual, like bona fide safety issue. Now you tell me. (laughs) And that's how Will broke his ankle in half. Mm -mm. Um, Also, by the same token, like, they would make you take off your jewelry for gym. Mm -hmm. And that's also a safety issue. Um, Sure. You know, I think most people can get away with wearing, like, a ring or something if they go running. But, um, yeah, like, if you get a necklace, it can get caught. I remember a story, and this wouldn't happen in gym class, but a dude told me a story once where there was a dad um, at the pool, and they had that, like, um, net that goes across the pool. Yeah. For like pool volleyball or whatever. That was and big in my family. Was it really pool volleyball? Mm-hmm. Yeah, my aunt, my aunt and uncle had a backyard pool where we would play uh, pool volleyball. God, you must have been good at that because you were tall. Yeah. So you had less water pulling you down than like me. Yeah, it that helped. <laughs> you were like, otherwise, I was not good. Yeah, well, I wasn't good at. At anything physical or athletic. I never had the coordination. I've told you before how sometimes I'll just be reaching for something on a shelf and I'll just hurt my hand because it bumps into the shelf. Yeah, I think you and I are similar in that regard. I think it has to do with video games. I think (laughs) I think my I think my hand eye coordination was reprogrammed to best fit uh, simulated 3D environments that are actually two-dimensional. Yeah, that's fair. And so I, I don't navigate actual 3D space all that well. Yeah. That makes Any, sense. Anyway, your what was your pool net story? Oh, that this dad was like taking the net down, but he couldn't exactly reach it. So he jumped up and his wedding ring got caught and it cut his finger off. <laughs> 
Oh my gosh. I know, right? It was one That's... of the stories where the guy was like, listen, is this going to happen? Probably not. But if you just take off your jewelry when you're doing sports, it won't. <laughs> that's that's a story. Yep. So, like, that's not what I'm talking about. I think that that's a perfectly reasonable thing. You know, there's other things where, like, you know, if you visit, like, a factory, they'll make you wear, like, closed-toed shoes. Mm-hmm. Like, that makes – I mean, that's a not a school dress code. But, like, that sort of idea, I'm very good with that. I have no problem with that. That's not what Safety I'm talking first. about. Um, but, and I also want to say that, like, I want to talk about uniforms a little bit later, because I think uniforms are a little bit different. Um, so I'm not talking about uniforms when I'm talking about this. I'm talking about students have this sort of general freedom with these constraints. Yep. So what do I mean when I say... That I'm going to start with the thing that I know very well. What do I mean when I say that dress codes are uh, sexist? Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember the memes that were going around when class when um, they were like, "How could we possibly force students to wear masks in high school?" I, I don't think I saw the memes, but I think I get it. Yeah, basically, like. There was this big hubbub when it was going back to school in the fall where, you know, everybody who was going back to school in person, you know, clearly they were, they should have been wearing masks. They should be wearing masks. Like if you're in person, you needed to be wearing a mask. And all of these, you know, administrators were like, how can we possibly force students to wear masks? And basically every woman was like, um, you forced me to like put on a giant t-shirt when you deemed my outfit inappropriate. Um, you forced me to like, you know, turn my shirt inside out. Oh, that's the other thing. The other thing that I think is annoying, but I accept, (laughs) I accept is sometimes I understand that there might be logos on t-shirts that you should not wear in a school environment just for the principle of it. Mm-hmm. So, like, Kenny once had a shirt. It was, like, a Corona shirt that he got on vacation, and he just, like, wore it to school, and he had to, like, turn it inside out. That's annoying, but, like, fine. I get yeah. it. You shouldn't Don't wear a shirt with alcohol on it when you're 16. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> Um, and I also think that you, you know, it's okay for school dress codes to say like, you can't have hate speech on your clothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that I think is also obvious, but let me just state that those things I think are all things that are reasonable to be in a dress code. But yeah, going back to the mask thing. Um, yeah. So women, here's the thing about girls in high school. Um, Girls have all different body shapes, and they are developing at different times. Um, And, like I said, the women that are more conventionally attractive um, get, and which also usually means skinnier, um, get different treatment than the larger girls and women, depending on, you know, if we're talking about, like, middle school or high school. They're treated differently than... You know, girls with smaller busts are treated differently than girls with bigger busts. Um, this comes up all the time with prom dresses where, you know, two, sometimes two girls will be wearing the same prom dress and one will be told that she needs to cover up at prom of all places. Mm-hmm. And 
the problem here is that the reason that's always given for this is that these girls are a distraction. And the question is a distraction to whom? And this is the same thing with the colored hair thing that we had. It was always that like it was a distraction to the learning environment, which is just like no one cares. Like no one is coming into into math class and saying, you know, I just didn't have I didn't have a grasp on derivatives because I was staring at Carly's blue hair the whole class. Yeah. It's such a weak argument, and yet it is sort of the keystone argument of dress codes most of the time. Yeah. Have you ever, I mean, like, have you ever been distracted by, the like, somebody's hair or something? Yeah, sure, absolutely. To the point that you, like, it felt like it impeded your learning? No, but, you know, I was a pretty good student and a smart kid. So I could like get by. So like, I don't know. I sort of, I'm sort of holding two opposite sides of this argument in my head at the same time. And one is the sort of, you know, argument that goes hand in hand with like the discourse about violent video games after Columbine. Mm. It's like, if they, if they were capable you know, if if a kid is capable of of uh, sort of great violence, then it's it's not on any video game or any media, yeah, uh, to be held responsible for that. Like that was going to happen anyway. There there were always going to be other stimuli um, that could have provoked the same reaction. By, and by that comparison, I mean, if you are distractible enough mm-hmm. to be distracted by blue hair in your classroom, you were going to get distracted anyway by yeah. whatever's out the window or something. Um, and also at the same time, I do think as a kid or as an adolescent, uh, I had enough of a fascination with weird colored hair <laughs> that stuck in a boring classroom, that is where my eyes would be drawn. Yeah. But I think also if that person had the same color hair every day, you'd probably not, you'd probably get used to it. This is what I'm jumping way far ahead here. And so I could, I'll just make this glib comment and then we can move on <laughs> rather than trying to engage with it. But yeah, I, I think I'm starting to realize that um, this is one of those problems where when I try to come up with a solution for it, uh, it's not coming to me. And then if I can take a step backwards and look at the big picture, I realize well, that's because there's a bigger problem that I'm not tackling instead. Like, if I try to solve the problem of dress codes, it will just lead me down to a path of like, no, there's a problem with schools. Like, the, like, <laughs> why are we trying to solve the dress code problem when we could be solving the problem of like the whole school thing? Yes. No, that's absolutely part of it. And I think my part of my argument is that like, the dress codes are not the problem. In fact, dress codes 
those things that the dress codes, you know, are addressing that are problematic are not a problem. That's why it's a problem that they exist at all, because there's nothing that needs to be addressed. And if there is some sort of distraction or something happening, that's like a systemic issue that's outside of the dress code. So like my mom always tells the story about how I think in the third grade, the boys were sent out of the classroom and like to stay in the hall and the girls were taught how to sit with their legs crossed so that the boys wouldn't look up their skirts in the third grade. Now, I know we know somebody who teaches about that age range and we know that. Yeah. Do I, they... know, do I know anybody like that? Hmm. I'm racking my brain. I know a lot of people. I don't know who you mean. You know, a lot of third graders, actually. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. And yeah, we know that these kids are like, you know, thinking about things and figuring things out and looking around. Yeah. But the um, the way that they addressed it was to say, you're the problem because you're the one drawing attention to yourself. And it's... Did it's, they? Well, exactly. Did they it, say that or, did, or, or, or are you saying that was implied? They said to my mother... Yeah. If you want to make sure that these boys don't look up your skirts... You need to learn how to sit properly. Yeah. And if you are, if these boys are getting distracted by looking up your skirts, it's because you're not sitting correctly. So, yeah, I think it was pretty clear that the onus was put on the women and okay. not just like implied, yeah. but like, you know, this is the, this is the cause and effect. And so you are the one with agency here. Yeah. Ironically. Sir, yeah. Certainly, if if it were if it is if it was framed that way, then yes, I I understand what you're saying. I'm on board. There's there's a I I could see possibly a different way of framing the same advice, mm -hmm. which is there there is a problem. It's with boys. <laughs> we we are not realistically going to solve the problem of little boys trying to look up little girls skirts. Mm -hmm. So would you all do us a favor, <laughs> please? And sit like this so that we don't have to address that problem very much. Yeah. That the way my mom always tells the story, that was not the tone. Um, and she also, as she pointed out, the boys were not given a similar lecture on respect, right? So even if it would be, like, sort of fucked up, but at least mitigated by what you just said. Um, you can't give that lecture on respect because you can't put ideas in their head. Put ideas in their head, but if they're, they're already doing it. Well, but they're children, and, and perhaps not all of them are doing it. Sure. Um... But perhaps as children, if you told them, don't do this thing that you might be super curious about, they might get more curious and it might be more of a problem. I suppose. I will say, like, Elliot looked up Amelia's skirt this last weekend. Mm -hmm. She was wearing, like, a dress and we were sitting outside. And all of a sudden I hear Amelia say, Elliot, do not pull up my skirt. And I went, Elliot. <laughs> um, which is to say that, you know, that's a four and a half year old. And, you know, we, you have to say to kids very early, you can teach kids about consent very, very early. Mm -hmm. um, and you can teach kids about 
you know, the appropriate way to interact with somebody in their body very, very early. Mm-hmm. And I think that the whole idea that if you, you know, sure, there might be some kids that might not be interested and you might interest them, but it, the way that you're framing it is, is there's a way to frame it that's, that's appropriate yeah. and that gets the point across and that, um, you know, hypothetically gets the root of this problem, which is that like girls are not a distraction to boys. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, the onus is not on the girls to not be a distraction to boys. Um, Which is pointed out again and again when, you know, lesbians will say like, you know, I never had any problem not groping my friend in the locker, my friends in the locker room when I was gay in in high school. You know what I mean? Um, But yeah. And so there have been, I'm going to link a bunch of these articles in the in the show notes it's sort of you know i think you know i'm a person that loves having citations <laughs> mm-hmm. but um it almost feels unnecessary to like go through individual cases here because it is so pervasive um but i will sort of talk generally about cases that i've seen over and over again um so what that said <laughs> The one that I remember specifically was from, like, right before the pandemic. And it was a girl that had um, come to school in an oversized gray, thick t-shirt. Like, that sort of, like, thick t-shirt material. Not like the, not like a woman's t-shirt material, which is thinner. Yeah. And um, she just was, like, not comfortable that day. So she was just wearing this t-shirt. And, um, she was made by administrators to put band-aids over her nipples because she wasn't wearing a bra, Mm -hmm. which is humiliating. And she was pulled out of class, which is the other thing with these, with these violations, students are pulled out of class. So that's like more of a distraction than the actual act of the clothing. Right. Yeah. Because not only is everyone then going like, Oh, when somebody gets pulled out of class, but this person is literally getting pulled out of class. They're oftentimes embarrassed or humiliated, um, depending on what's being told, or they're just angry because it seems unfair. And like I said, these rules are very often not uniformly applied. And so, um, you know, this, as, as she pointed out in this video I was watching about it, she was like, there are plenty of boys who have just as much breast tissue as I do that don't aren't aren't made to wear bras, and also it's nobody points out that they're not wearing bras, and they just wear t-shirts and it's fine. It's just because I'm a woman that this got pointed out. And yeah, yeah go ahead. No, no, finish up. Um, and also the dress code didn't say anything about having to wear certain undergarments. Mm-hmm. Um, but they said that it was a, they said that the dress code said that you couldn't do anything that was distracting. And Mm -hmm. also none of the students had cared about this. It was only the administrators. Yeah. There was another article, um, around a similar time period where a, a woman wearing, again, a very similar outfit to the one I had mentioned, like a sort of very high waisted skirt with a tank top with wide straps and a cardigan. Mm hmm who was not even showing any cleavage, who was told by her teacher that she was letting it all hang out. And um, 
she ended up getting into a yelling match with the teacher because she went to the office to try to call her mom and they wouldn't let her. And she was being told that she had to change or whatever. And she was like, nothing about my outfit is inappropriate. Nothing about this was against the dress code because it's not applied uniformly. I'm becoming interested in the question that is probably not going to be answered right now in this conversation mm-hmm. of the difference between uh, what is actually, you know, what is actually the letter of the law and what is said about it in order to enforce it. So you said a moment ago that there was no rule about what undergarments you were supposed to wear, but there's a rule that says you're not supposed to wear anything distracting. And that rule, if it is as written, if it is written as you just said it, it doesn't say what what everyone understands is said over and over again, which is that girls, you can't look like that because you will distract the boys who are your peers. The, the letter of the law might just say, don't be distracting. And that's closer to perha- what is perhaps the truth of the matter, which is what they're saying is, don't distract your peers. When that is, that's what they can say, because what what they should say, which because it's true perhaps is, don't distract us. Yes. Yes. Don't, absolutely. Don't, don't distract the teachers who are distracted by how you look when you look this way. Mm-hmm. Don't distract the one person who works here who probably shouldn't mm-hmm. based on his proclivities. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's there probably. Um, and what I'm bothered by is that. I don't expect them to say that, even though that might be, you know, the truth underneath it. But just say something else. Mm-hmm. And and well, I, I, I guess I, there must be plenty of environments where this is said, but I, I don't think I've heard you say it yet, which is just say we're we're preparing you for being an adult. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's the same as the way that we talked about grammar as like a you know st- standard white english as like the suit that you wear for your job interview yeah like if we teach grammar the way that i hope that we would we would frame it as like hey this is not you know right but you need it because it's a gatekeeping mechanism mhm you need to be able to you know speak and write the quote unquote correct way, not because it's inherently correct, but because there are environments where it will be expected. Likewise, we have a dress code for you because you're a kid or you're a young adult. Mm -hmm. We're ostensibly supposed to be training you to be an adult. And as an adult, if you want to be, you know, successful. And if you want to participate in society, you're going to go into environments where you're going to be chased out. If you, you know, look this, this way or that way. So, so get used to it. 
we're going to enforce those rules here so that you take those lessons into the real world. Yeah, and I think that that's perhaps the best way that it could be spoken about. And I mostly agree with that lens, with the exception of the fact that hypothetically there's a really big difference, which is that kids in high school do not have the same agency and resources that hypothetically adults do. And I'm putting that, you know, clearly there's going to be a wide range there. Um, But part of the problem with dress codes, too, is that every single person, hypothetically, has Mm -hmm. to go to school, right? Mm -hmm. You have to either go to public school or private school or you have to be homeschooled. This is a generality. There's different rules about this. But, like, most of these kids that are in school are not there because they would like to have this job and they would like to have money. You know what I mean? They're there because they have to be there by law. The state says they have to, yeah. Exactly. And so part of my issue is that also a a lot of times because of this, now you're having a huge range of children that might not... You know, they might have parents that are abusive. They might have parents that don't um, have the resources to get them different sorts of clothes for different sorts of occasions. Um, Mm -hmm. They might have a household where, I don't know, maybe their parents are screaming at 312 in the morning like my neighbor was last night. And so they're exhausted today because their mom was having a fight with their boyfriend And they barely woke up in time to make it to school and they scraped together the clean clothes that they could find. And now this is the outfit they have, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, which I I mean, I think now I think it makes sense to move on to how um, dress codes are racist. Mm -hmm. Um, The thing is, is this is also related to what you were saying about, um, about, um, you know, is it really saying that the girls shouldn't be distracting the boys or is it implied? And you're correct. Now these dress codes are very coded. Mm-hmm. So, for example, there have been dress codes recently that will have, like I said, stipulations about hair and will say that you can't have afros, which is the way that a lot, a lot of black people's hair just grows out of their head Mm -hmm. and they're being told that they just can't exist naturally and naturally is a word that i hate using but i think it it affect i think it is um applicable here they can't Mm -hmm. just exist the way their body exists yeah um another article that that i found and i i have read this many other times too has said that um you're not allowed to have dreadlocks Mm-hmm. And dreadlocks, um, from what I've read, I'm not a black person, are one of the easiest to maintain hairstyles that you can have sure. um, when you have that type of hair and that texture of hair. Mm-hmm. And so essentially, and so this gets back to where I wanted to talk about how I wanted to draw this back to the um, the gendered clothing episode. Yes. Where in that gender clothing episode, I talked about how the big realization I had is that there's no gender neutral dress because Mm -hmm. gender neutral isn't gender neutral. It's male. Yeah. And that's the case here. These choices that they oftentimes put in these dress codes aren't neutral. 
they are just male and they're white male specifically. Mm-hmm. So if you're a white male, you are probably not going to have any trouble adhering to the dress code mm-hmm. because the dress code was written with you as the default. Because it was written by you. <laughs> yeah. White. And, and men. men mostly. Yeah. And so um, it ends up happening that there end up being all of these cultural nuances. And I don't know if this happened to you, but were there ever like sort of not temporary, but like addendums that were made to your dress code? I, I'm guessing there probably wasn't because you didn't mention it. Not that I can think of. Are you talking about a case where like a new fad emerges and then an addendum needs to be made that says like, no, you know, whatever the wearable version of a fidget spinner is that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We had that a couple of times. Um, the one that, um, came up was sort of silly because it was both race related, but it was also drug related. So it was sort of legitimate, but it was also like, nobody was actually doing this thing. There were mm-hmm. these snowmen shirts that mm-hmm. said stop snitching on them. Sure. And uh, the snowmen were supposed to be cocaine. Uh-huh. It was like a cocaine reference. So they banned um, speaking, any... Speaking of baking soda. <laughs> yeah. You brought that up much earlier. Yeah. Yeah. And they, um, they banned you from wearing any shirts with snowmen on them. Mm-hmm. Which was very funny because it was like October or November and, right. you know, suddenly all these like women, these like teachers also could not wear their like seasonal right, shitty sweatshirts or whatever mm-hmm. that had like snowmen embroidered on them. Frosty on them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that was silly. Like there wasn't, here's the thing. I've, I, I think I've mentioned this about my high school before. There are two high schools in my school district. You know, in Pennsylvania, school districts are small. Like, in Maryland, school districts are the entire county. Mm-hmm. So you have, like, you know, it's just, like, a very different, like, interconnectedness. Mm-hmm. In, in Pennsylvania, there's, like, 673 school districts. That's cut down. There used to be, like, over 700. And I think in the 70s, Blake will know this. They cut it down. They, like, consolidated a bunch. My school district was Central Dolphin. We had two sister high schools. Sorry. Yes. It it sounded like you just said Central Dolphin. Yes, it did sound like I said that. Dolphin. Ah. Like a French Mm -hmm. person. Dauphin. Yeah, Dauphin. Oui, oui, oui. (laughs) Did I tell you? This is a side note. Elliot the other day has started, he started scribbling instead of writing letters. Mm-hmm. And I said, Elliot, what are you writing? Why don't you write letters? He said, Mama, this is language. <laughs> mm-hmm. I said, what's language? He said, Mama, like, bonjour. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? He's like, you know, bonjour. <laughs> and it's because in Peppa Pig, there's Madame Gazelle, who's mm-hmm. a French-speaking teacher, and sure. she always says bonjour. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I was not expecting him to just define language as, you know, like bonjour. Yeah. Lang- yeah. Language. Other <laughs> language. Yeah. 
Um, oh, what was I saying? Okay, yeah. So Central Dauphin High mm-hmm. uh, School District. There was Central Dauphin High School, and there was CD East. And at the time, CD had a uh, 93% white population and a 7% non-white population. East was 50-50. It's since uh, shifted. Um, I think East has like a 70% non-white population and East has close, and CD has closer to 20 or 25, I want to say. But it's just very clearly, like these high schools up until my sophomore year were walking distance from one another. So it was not like, oh, you know, that's just the way the lines were cut. Like it was very clearly gerrymandered. There's a lot of racism. It's like very clearly racism, the way that they've cut up. All of the socioeconomic, it was like, also, if you look at like students who received free and reduced lunch, it was, it was like, you know, 80% of East and like 10% of CD or something like that. Like that doesn't happen accidentally when the schools were initially like walking distance from one another. Sure. What happened to make them not walking distance from one another? They, oh, (laughs) Did one of the schools just get up and move? So I don't know if you've read um, your partner's short story collection, but one of the schools just lifted up in an island. Yes. Uh, Um, Everyone should read The Classroom by Dana Deal and Melissa Goodrich. Yes, I'm pointing to The Drifting Classroom behind me, which is a different series of books. Um, I think think one ripped off the other. Just look up whichever came first. (laughs) Um, This is actually part of the racism. CD got an entire new high school. They mm-hmm. built a whole new high school, and they built it in the middle of the whitest part of the district. And that was while you were a student there? They built this my freshman year. Mm-hmm. And so my freshman year, um, CD was um, down the road. Like, so literally the cross-country team would run. So so CD had the, the stadium that the school district used, okay. which was not a, really a problem because, again, very close to one another. So yeah. the, like, track team or cross-country team would, like, run there. Mm-hmm. And then, like, run around the nice stadium and then run back. Like, that's yep. how close it was. Yep. Um, freshman year, they built a new high school. We got a new wing at some point. Um, they completely did not redo, for example, our auditorium, whereas CD got this beautiful, like, innovative new auditorium. It was, like, a whole thing. Um, and then the school that had been CD High School became CD Middle School. At this point, they also shifted from having junior highs to middle schools. So okay. I was in a two-year junior high, seventh, eighth grade. That answers my next question, which was going to be what happened to the school you went to freshman year. Yeah. Well, I went to East, so I was at the same school oh, the entire time. Gotcha. But my But my friends at CD, um, which most of my friends went to CD because I went to the junior high that at the time split about two-thirds to CD and one-third of East. And all of my friends went to CD except my best friend, Chad, and I went to East. So gotcha. freshman year was, like, not great for me. Um so was there a reason why you would go to one and not the other? Yeah, where you lived. Oh, okay. That's what I mean when I say it was gerrymandered. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, so, it was also so like... So you went to East based on where you lived. Yeah, and I, which was across the street from the high school. Yes. My mom doesn't live there anymore, so I think it's okay to say that. Okay. Um, yeah, and so I, I like walked to junior high and I walked to high school. I, I, haven't, I didn't take a bus after elementary school. That was my experience... Uh, up until high school. Right, yeah, because then you had to take, like, a lot of buses to get to high school. Well, it was quite a, a is, I don't know, does the term culture shock apply? That's what I was going to, <laughs> to use. 
but no, I, my parents, um, still, I, I, I guess I said the name of the school earlier, so I should stop right there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Um, but, uh, yeah, high school, I had a long commute prior to that. Uh, I was uh, very close by walking distance. Um, yeah, we also had like every ESL classroom and every special needs classroom with the exception mm. of like one trailer a class of um students that had autism that were that was at CD that was like they were separate from the rest of the school. Mm-hmm. Um my high school was incredibly diverse. Mm-hmm. And because of that there were these like guidelines that only really applied to the students that weren't white like the snowman mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. that was only going that was only a, oh this is where i was going with that My, but but by the same token east was not a dangerous school mm-hmm. um every like i had somebody tell me to my face that there were shootings at east when i was 23 and working that job that first job out of college okay and i said to her she was like, I would never send my students to East. And I was like, why? My students. Or my, my children is what she yes. said. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why? And she was like, well, there are shootings there. And I said, yeah, there are no shoot. It was like a stupid thing. Like, it's a, it's an incredibly ridiculous thing to say. Because if there are shootings at a school, it makes the news. Like, even if, like, there are so many shootings at schools that, like, we don't know about all of them and that's terrible and offensive. Like, if you live in a town, you'll know. Mm-hmm. And people will remember. There were not shootings at my school. And yet this this was like a pervasive, like, myth that people would say mm-hmm. as if it was just true. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, we'd have to deal with these, like, very culture-based um, rules. And the problem with that is that, and this is where this podcast gets dark, I mean, truly, the real problem with dress codes Besides the fact that it distracts the students that are being told they're in, quote, violation of the dress code, not the rest of the population. Besides the fact that it can humiliate students and make them angry and that distracts them from learning, it contributes to the prison, just the pipe, the school to prison pipeline. Mm-hmm. Because when you have students sort of arbitrarily being policed, based on their clothing. That means that those students will get infraction after infraction. And the way that the disciplinary systems in these schools work is that they build up over time. So even if you have, you know, these four or five things that just don't matter, mm-hmm. it means that now you're suddenly in more and more trouble. You're getting in school suspension. You're getting out of school suspension. Then you're just not in school. Mm-hmm. And we know that there is this school-to-prison pipeline for black and brown students in our country where these students are specifically targeted, they're specifically riled up so that they act out, and then, you know, we have, um, what are they called? What is the terrible name for the cops that we have in school? Um, Like student support officers or something. There's a word for them. Special resource people I don't, um, I don't think i'm familiar you know they're in schools with guns mm-hmm. and so the one article that i found 
Did was, you have that? Is that yes? We had somebody in our school with a gun. Yeah, that that's interesting. And I hated it. And nothing mm-hmm. ever came of this guy with a gun. But like, truly, what the fuck? Why is that necessary? Is that like a public school thing? I think. I mean, it must be. Yeah. Uh. Student resource officer, maybe. Okay. Um, and famously useless because when the Parkland shooting happened, do you remember this? I bet I will remember it when you say it. The student resource officer, the one guy who had a gun, hid. The good guy, right. The The guy who is supposed to be the good guy with a gun. Yes. The good guy with a gun hid behind a pillar like a fucking coward. And, like, I don't... There's just so much I have to say (laughs) about guns that we won't get into here. But if your job, if what you're paid for is to protect students from violence then you are a coward if you hide behind a pillar when your job is to protect those vulnerable students. Horrifying. But back to my point. Dress codes. Dress codes. One of the students that I saw this dress code about was the student who was, like, top of her class, was going to college, multiple scholarships. It was senior week. This happened, like, a week ago. And she was wearing a shirt that I'm going to sort of show you, Will. It... Um, just sort of sat at the edges of her shoulders. So it Mm -hmm. had sleeves. It wasn't off the shoulder. It was right on the edge. Mm -hmm. And she was told that she um, had to change. And she's had trouble because she's, she's, she's not white. And, you know, she's had trouble with being discriminated against before. And so she's, you know, she was told you have to go to the office. And um, she said, I'm sorry, but I can't go to the office until um, I have my mother on the phone. That's what I've been told that I have to do. And um, the principal or whoever started yelling at her and the student resource officer came over and had his hand on his gun. And they said that they were going to arrest her Mm -hmm. for wearing a shirt, Will. Well, yeah, and for not complying. Yes. Because she was wearing a shirt that was, like, a little bit showing off her collarbones too much. Disgusting. Right. That was what got their attention. Yeah. Yeah. And this was also a student that specifically was not, um, you know, she was being... The arrest would have been for something else. Yes. But that's what started. Yeah. So, um... Yeah, fuck dress codes. Now, I want to talk about uniforms really quick. <laughs> sure. And uniforms, um, I think, also allow me to talk a little bit more about gender, not just from the sort of, like, women have it harder because um, they, it's harder for them to sort of navigate the actual, like, system. Mm-hmm. Because there's more variation, quote unquote. One of the arguments about dress codes is always that they, like, like when you're a student, you're like, oh, but my, like, you know, it limits my, like, creativity to express who I am. And I think that that's true, but I think it's a bad argument comparatively to the argument I just gave. With the exception that I think that dress codes and uniforms can oftentimes force a gender 
and also a specific like um like a specific ability onto people that might not necessarily have it and so um with the like uniform thing the idea of uniforms is that it creates equity because everybody's wearing the same thing and I think there might be something to, to be said for that um, in the sense that if you're all wearing the same thing, then you're all equal, except for the fact that it then gets to this point, which is that you don't all look the same. So something that might be flattering on one body type, which is probably the, like I said, conventionally beautiful white male body type is not going to look as flattering on every body type. And so it's not really equitable because it's not giving students an opportunity to actually wear clothing that would be flattering on them. But then also there's a class issue because if you're in a situation where you have to wear a certain uniform every day, that means you have to purchase very specific clothes every day and they're usually not cheap. So like even um, my friend Kathy, who sends her kids to the school, and she wore uniforms in school and loved it. That's which I also want to say, like there are plenty of people that had like uni- that wore uniforms every day and thought it was great. Mm-hmm. Kathy loved freaks. Uniforms. I call them. <laughs> yeah, sure. She has said to me, "It was great. I got home, I hung up my skirt and hung up my shirt, changed into whatever clothes. I didn't have to think about it." Which sure, fine. Um. And I said to her once, like, but what about students with differing abilities? And she was like, oh, well, they could just get an exception. And I'm like, I'm just like, ah, what if they didn't have to get an exception? You know what I mean? What if they didn't have to be singled out to wear things differently so that they could feel most themselves? But then also it becomes an issue of gender, right? So the way that these school uniforms are written, they're so gendered. And even if they're not like, um, even if it's not like a men's section and a women's section, though I've seen recently, cause I, this is clearly something I follow. I've seen recently like prom dress codes that specifically break it down by men and women, because there have been women that have tried to go to prom in a suit and not been allowed to go in 20, like 19. Cause clearly prom didn't happen last year. <laughs> mm-hmm. Zoom um, prom. Zoom prom. I got kicked out of Zoom prom for wearing a suit. <laughs> I got kicked out of prune. <laughs> um, which is that the dress code does not support people of varying genders wearing variety of clothes that might best represent their identity. Hmm. Um, and I also want to say that clearly also there's going to be like a spectrum here, right? And clearly, if you're looking at, like, a private, conservative, Christian school, they're probably going to have different ideas about what is appropriate than a public school or some sort of, like, art magnet school, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So there's going to be variation across what is and is not going to be allowed um, in these dress codes. Um, But, yeah, I also don't love uniforms. I think that it has some of the same problems. Because the other thing is that with uniforms, again, you get dinged if you don't match the uniform. Mm -hmm. So 
like, I hope Kathy doesn't mind me saying this. Kathy said to me the other day, my kid has gym on Monday. And I'm pretty sure that his gym shorts that are the school uniform gym shorts yeah. are at the beach house because they they have a beach house that they had visited. And I was mm. like, oh, no, he's going to fail. Right? Because, like, that shouldn't be an issue. Like, this tiny child should not be getting in trouble because his parents left his gym shorts at the beach. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, let's say you forget your belt and you're supposed to wear a belt. Are you now suddenly in trouble? I mean, this is something that happens, is that students, like, you know, they don't have, or, again, it becomes an access to resources thing, right? You don't have access to clean clothes because you don't have access to a washer and dryer. Something like, you know, you you only have enough money for one shirt and that shirt uh, gets ruined somehow. And now what are you supposed to wear to school? Just a shirt that's ruined. You, or else you're going to get in trouble and you're going to get in school suspension. You are a woman and you bleed all over your pants. Well, what are you going to do now? Um, I'm not saying that these are things that happen all the time or even that they're a problem for most people. But again, with these dress codes, we want to try to be protecting our most vulnerable populations. And these are problems that come up regularly with our more vulnerable populations. Mm -hmm. And that's how I feel about uniforms. Yeah. So yes, that's, I think that's sort of largely, let me go, let me like double check this. I'm very pleased with my um, they're not uniformly enforced joke as a note. As you should be. Do you have any thoughts? Do you have any comments or responses to anything I've just said? I think I chimed in along the way with the ideas that I was most passionate about. I will tell you, since I told you about my dress code in high school, but didn't really tell you anything about the uniform prior to high school. Uh, I did, I did have to wear a tie. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, uh, I did hate it. Yeah. Uh, every day for like eight years. (laughs) Um, there were, where there were times of the year where, you know, where the warmer times of the year where it was, uh, a polo shirt was part of the, the uniform and there was no tie. Mm-hmm. But I remember it as being like most of the year, a tie as part of the uniform. And uh, no, thank you. And like, I guess the thing too is like, again, there's two, so there's two things, I guess, that I can sort of sum this up with. And it's related to what you're saying. The first is that um, adults love to control children. That's not my philosophy with parenting. That's not my philosophy with interacting with young people. Um, young people need structure and they need rules. Absolutely. I'm very here for that. Um, but I think there's something to be said for creating a safe structure and then letting there be independence within that structure. Mm-hmm. So like even, you know, from an Elliot standpoint, when Elliot was, you know, a year-ish, and could crawl around and could walk. We had this playpen for him. And the idea was that he could essentially be alone in that playpen with us nearby mm-hmm. to play and discover and explore the way he wanted. And so that's how, for example, he invented this game where he would 
like do like a downward dog but with like a stacking cup on his like lower back and he would balance it there mm-hmm. and he was like so proud of himself for this game and that's not something we ever would have come up for him um but the point is that like youth need to explore and play and they need to do that in a safe structured environment and part of that is going to be with clothing and I think that it's unreasonable to ask children to be uncomfortable all the time, which brings to my second part, which is that why not create an environment where children are most comfortable so that they can learn the most comfortably? Especially when we know that the children that we're looking at are not children that across the spectrum have the full set of advantages, right? We know that there are children coming to school hungry. We know that there are children coming to school um, stressed because of their home life. Even kids that have money, their parents might be getting divorced and they might be having a shitty time, you know? Mm-hmm. Why not create an environment where a student feels comfortable to exist so that they can focus on actually learning whatever skills they need to learn at school instead of creating a, an environment where they feel afraid that they're going to sort of arbitrarily be targeted by the people that are supposed to be protecting them. Mm -hmm. Especially since we know that some of those children are being targeted arbitrarily by the people who are supposed to be protecting them, like their parents and guardians. Yeah. And so when we have dress codes that are coded racially coded in terms of gender and sex um they don't actually help they just hurt and those are my those are my thoughts there yeah i guess the one other thing that's been sort of rolling around in my head that i haven't vocalized yet is um not really worth saying at all but but it's this idea that might perhaps be in some people's heads that is um that i've just come i've just invent invented uh uh maybe nobody thinks this way i i don't i don't know because it seems sort of backwards but also uh sort of justifiable in my mind to 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 say um, this is sort of related to what I was saying before about how, like, you know, you could frame a dress code as part of your training to be an adult. Mm-hmm. And part of the reality of being an adult uh, in our part of the world uh, where we live is um, there's by design and by some people's great effort, uh, no so no safety net of any real significance um and so if you were a teacher or a school administrator someone of someone with power uh over kids and young minds um you might have an idea in your head that to to prepare them for the real world uh effectively would be to make sure that they aren't coddled and they aren't mm. 
treated specially for their individual needs and they aren't helped a great deal by uh people in power um because uh it would be perhaps a, <laughs> perhaps there's a version of this society where it would be sort of cruel to create an environment where children are are treated with respect and dignity and giving everything that they need and that they deserve and then once they grow up and they're used to that and then no longer get it at all and yeah. can't function in our society because there are, there's no such help for them any longer um obviously i don't i don't think that that's really realistic yeah uh which is why i'm laughing about it as i say it but <laughs> there's some sort of a narrative in there that i think kind of resembles our reality yeah and i think that the answer to that is just like you can teach a child to be independent while not making them suffer unnecessarily like the suffering there's a difference between experiencing challenges and you know going through things that are difficult and that providing growth mm -hmm. and being targeted because of immutable characteristics about your body and your background yeah and um i yeah i think there's also something to be said for the thing is, is like my goal with thinking about, because I think about, I, I think I've said this before, like I love all children. When I'm making decisions for Elliot, I'm thinking about all children, not just Elliot. And in fact, I think when some parents say, well, I'm doing the best, what's best for my child, it's a fucking cop out. It's a cop out to say, I'm going to do a thing that I know is going to harm other children because I need to protect my child one and all when your child maybe doesn't actually need protection in that moment. And so when I'm thinking about these sorts of issues, I'm thinking what is going to be the most useful. And the thing that's most useful is giving the children all of the resources and knowledge possible to be independent while also letting them know that hypothetically me or the people around them if i'm the one like setting up the system right are there to answer their questions and help them if they need help right yeah and so like the example i can give for this is like elliot as soon as elliot can fill out his own forms he will be filling out his own forms and before that i will be showing him his forms right which i think i've talked about on twitter before yeah and that, and and, and what you're saying makes sense and you are talking about parenting your child and yeah. your child learning independence at home mm -hmm. um the, i think the best that you can hope for as a newborn <laughs> is is is, 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 the, mom? is right is is elizabeth deanna morris links um <laughs> Well, but I mean, you're an example of what I was going to say. The best that you can hope for is that you have a great safety net in the form of 
your family and your home life, your personal situation and the school and school for some people might become a part of that, but it's not designed to be. Right, for sure. The school, as we said before, is is an arm of the state. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the and the state as we know it uh is is not is is more designed to prevent those safety nets than to offer them hence the prison pipeline yes and a million other things so it's it stands to reason you know I, i'm just i'm just speaking in in hard truths rather than the way things could ideally be yes it stands to reason that that the school as an arm of the state would not be a an accommodating place Mm -hmm. well and it's not right yeah no that's what that's what i'm saying it's it's not and that is and I'm I'm saying there's a certain narrative that acknowledges our grim reality mm-hmm. where it makes sense that the school is not an accommodating setting. Yes. Because the school is part of the state and it is sort of a training facility for the rest of your life in the rest of the state. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess, like, when I'm speaking about this, I'm just thinking, like, I saw a, I listened to an episode of This American Life about how people can move up in, um, like, economic class brackets. And the thing that they found was essentially that when you're in an economic class bracket, especially lower ones, it is incredibly difficult to jump to the next bracket once you're an adult. Mm -hmm. But as a kid, you can, if you're given the correct resources. Mm -hmm. And so what they had found, which was really disappointing and frustrating for these parents, was that any sort of like additional education classes or work trainings or anything like that wasn't really helping the parents get better jobs. Mm-hmm. But if they focused on things like universal pre-K and um, resources to help the parents teach and support their children, mm-hmm. those those children ended up being able to create more equity and jump class brackets. Right. And so I guess part of what I'm thinking here is you're absolutely right. And that is the way it's designed and it's designed that way for a reason. And I mean, even just the public school system, you know, it's education is supposed to be the great um, equalizer, except for the fact that we built the fucking system to be built on local taxes. And so areas like Montgomery County, where I live, is one of the richest counties around and so it has some of the best educational resources. And if you go to a different county, you get less resources, which is why people buy houses in certain places. Um, 
one of the things I actually like about the fact that my school district here is the entire county, um, which, because when, when Claire, my boss was like, it's the whole county. I was like horrified. I was like, that's too much power in the school board. And she was looking at me like I was nuts. Cause she grew up here. It's always been this way for her. And I was like, the school board has too much power. And she was like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. But the thing that I like about that is that, um, the whole county gets distributed to the whole county. So now, you have, gra- you have okay. choice. Yes. There's some amount of choice. There's now granted, as she pointed out to me when she told me this later, because she she clipped this little article for me from the Washington Post to read because mm-hmm. <laughs> she's the best. Um, she said, I do want to point out that um, things like booster clubs and PTAs are going to in the areas with the richer schools are going to end up with or with the richer populations going to the schools are going to end up with more resources than those without but at least per student, they're getting more funding. They're getting the same amount of funding across the county. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if only that was true across the country, um, you know, there would still, again, be those disparities, but it would at least nudge it a little bit. Um, but that said, my point is, is that if we can ease the burden of our youth, we'll just make their lives better long term is the is the truth of it, um, especially mm-hmm. because they're developing. and. Um, even if they do have to heart, face some harsh realities later, let them do it later. Let's delay it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, did you see the Harry um, royalty man? Does he have a last name? <laughs> do any of them? I don't think so. Are you talking about Prince Harry? Prince Harry. Did you see his interview where he says... Um, you know, British, he's like, my father told me, you know, this, you know, this was the way it was for me. And this is just going to be the way it is for you. And I thought to myself, no, that's the exact opposite. Um, If something was a way for you, and it was terrible, as a parent, you should be doing everything in your, in your power to make something better for your children, not to just maintain the status quo. And I mean, I think that's what I'm saying here too, which is that, and and it is idealistic, but what else can I do? You know what I mean? Except sit here and make a podcast about how dress codes fucking suck and they discriminate against vulnerable populations. What can any of us do? (laughs) And if you at home are not doing what Liz has done, (laughs) what's stopping you? They don't have you, Will. That's what's stopping them. And and yet so many of them do. <laughs> now, um, I do want to end by mm-hmm. saying, what would a good dress code look like? Mm, indeed. Um, because I don't, like, again, I don't think it's unreasonable to have some parameters. Um, we don't I, want yeah. children coming to school naked. That would be bad. I think the, the legal sort of... Uh, context is that is that you need to have something in writing right because i mean i suppose you could have something in writing that says i'm the principal and whatever i say goes yeah and that's all you need in writing um but some people would object to that and so in theory you you should have something in writing to refer to uh in order to uh enforce the rules 
in a way that uh, would seem fair. Uh, and, and whatever you have in writing should be agreeable to the population it affects. Yeah. So I think that it's reasonable to do all of the safety stuff that I mentioned. Sure. I think it's reasonable to say that you can't have, um, like, swear words or um, slurs on your clothing. Um, I think it's reasonable to say that you need to wear, like, sneakers in gym class. Mm -hmm. I think it's reasonable to say um, that you have to be wearing shoes of -hmm. some sort. I think it's reasonable to say that your clothing should cover your genitals. And I think it's reasonable to say that, as an extension of that, that your clothing shouldn't be see-through. I think it's reasonable to say that your clothing should not have anything on it that could harm someone. So I saw something where it was like, when it was talking about like hats, which like it already said you couldn't wear hats, but it was talking about hats and it said that you couldn't have any fish hooks on your hat. I was like, this is a very specific school. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like, yeah, don't have something really pointy as fuck on your on your like fishing vest that you're wearing to school for some reason. I used to, uh, for a period of time, I wore a wallet chain to school. You did? You were a wallet chain guy? Yeah. Do you know why? So you wouldn't lose your wallet? Yes. Do you, do you know why that was a concern? <laughs> because you were afraid you would get mugged? No, because of the times when I lost my wallet or the contents <laughs> thereof. You lost your wallet often? In my in my life, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I lost my wallet at medieval times on Kenny's 30th birthday. Hmm. And I called them and I was like, it's a very specific wallet. And they were like, I didn't notice until days later. Um, like we went on a Friday and I didn't notice until that Tuesday that my wallet was missing because I just hadn't been to the store. And nobody ever found it. Um, what sucked, it was a grandfather. My It was a, it was a wallet my grandfather had made. Oh, I'd yeah. fallen out of my purse. My grandpa, my grandpa purse well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I wish I had had a chain on that thing. Is there anything else that you would add to a, a dress code? Um, I don't know. I mean, in theory, there's sort of a, perhaps a need for and you know, an everyday need for the, you know, you know it when you see it, clause. You know, mm-hmm. it's one of the, it's one of these situations where there's so much variety in the arena mm-hmm. that we are trying to cover that you couldn't possibly write down, you know, every relevant variation and so i mean there you know the 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 problem as i understand it is with well i let me say what i was going to say and then sort of take it back i was going to say the problem as i see it is with abuses of 
the the you know the codes as they stand to 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 say that is to suggest that there is just solely a personal responsibility for for every horrible story that you've you've dug up in your research mm-hmm. um and that would imply that the problem is not systemic um, and it is systemic in addition to being a problem of personal responsibility. So I don't want to say that the problem is just with abuses and not with the codes themselves or the spirit of the law behind its letter. Um, but also, I mean, when a kid comes to school and he's technically dressed according to what's legal, but, you know, what he's wearing is absurd and, like, can't be allowed to exist in this space. Like, there, I guess, I guess perhaps there's sort of a blanket thing I'm just figuring out where you could say, like, we all understand what professional is. Yeah. So, like, you need to dress for a professional environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and we we have, you know, there are ways to abuse that. There are ways to be racist and sexist about that. Mm-hmm. But also, I think schools may kind of meet that rule for cases where hopefully when they enforce it there's nothing racist or sexist or homophobic about it yeah i actually saw a case mentioned but i don't think i found the full article for that was saying that there was a student who dressed steampunk (laughs) and occasionally their teachers would be like uh but like daily and occasionally their teachers would be like you can't wear that and they like had the dress code with them because they'd be like where Nothing right. here says that I can't wear this. Yes, the air bud clause. There's nothing in the rule book <laughs> the that says that a steampunk can't, can't, can't play can't basketball. Um, I'm playing gym class. He does have to wear sneakers, or she, or they, when they are playing basketball. Sure. Um, the thing that I would like to see in a dress code is I would like to see certain things encouraged. Mm-hmm. I would like to see the dress code say, we encourage students to dress uh, in a way that aligns with their gender identity, mm-hmm. uh, however shifting that may be. We encourage students to dress in a way that reflects their cultural heritage if they choose so. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we reflect, we encourage students to dress in a way that allows them to focus the best on their learning. Um. Because I think that part of the problems with dress codes is that they're viewed as a checklist of don'ts. And I would like to see them be written also as a checklist of do's. Like, are you, because, and then I think that you can incorporate what you're saying um, about, like, professionalism into this. Like, how will you feel most focused? If you're not going to feel focused in pajama pants, then maybe you should pick something else to wear. Um... But if you are 
you know, your body shape is changing and your parents don't have very much money and pajama pants are the only thing that you can comfortably fit into that aren't cutting off circulation to your waist, then yeah, wear your friggin' pajama pants, man. You know? Yeah. I could see a version of that that would be excusable. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think that's what I have to say on dress codes. Mostly mm-hmm. fuck them. Sure. But I think that there can be something that can be done. And also protect our children. Mm-hmm. And controlling our children is not protecting them. Yeah. But also maybe, like, let's rethink the whole The school. whole school system? Yeah. Yeah, like, just maybe there's a better way <laughs> than... And maybe if we can crack that, then sort of certain dominoes will fall and the dress the dress code thing will be less relevant someday i'm gonna ask you to take down all our podcast episodes when i run for the school board (laughs) sure you're gonna be like well can't exist anymore that's fine um yeah i kind of like that idea actually (laughs) (laughs) well it's gonna be a while before elliot's in school so you've got time cool at least one year speaking of years Can you believe we're halfway through this one? No. Six down and six to go. Actually, I was thinking about this today because I was thinking about it sort of like a pregnancy where you have this whole pregnancy, which is varying degrees of terrible in terms of how it affects your physical body. And then you think, God, when I just give birth, it'll be better. And it's not, you know? And that's sort of where I feel like we are right now, where... You know, we were had the active pandemic with no vaccine. That's not to say we still don't have the pandemic, but we had no no recourse at the mm-hmm. time. And then we got this recourse and we just kept waiting for it to get better. And it sort of has, but also sort of hasn't. Yeah. Sort of like how when you give birth, it's like, okay, yeah, now, like, I, I remember right after I gave birth, I could touch my toes again, mm-hmm. you know? But I also had a tear in my very tender parts of my body, internally mm-hmm. tender parts of my body, as you can hear about in episode one of the podcast. <laughs> and it took a long time for that to heal, you know? And it took sure. a long time for my body to undo mm-hmm. all of the sort of activities it had built up to that was giving birth, including like hormonal changes and like my hair was coming out and... Um, I feel like that's sort of where we are now, where it's like we're halfway through the year and we're still really actively recovering. And part of that Mm -hmm. is being in a lot of pain still. Yeah, that's mostly true. I see where you're coming from. I've been very fortunate. I think uh, things have taken a turn for the mostly sort of good. You mean you didn't actually give birth? You weren't the one that gave birth? That's true. Not sure where, I'm not sure how to apply your metaphor to, to what I'm trying to describe about my no, experience. No, I know what you mean. You're, you're of, having like a good time and you're, you're pretty safe and your friends are all vaccinated. and We uh, quite recently uh, ate in a restaurant. Yes, how was that? First, it was great. It was great. You know, we, we were at a table, the two of us. In an environment where there were a lot of people around, but not like right up 
on us. Mm-hmm. So felt perfectly comfortable, you know. It felt odd to be doing something that used to be normal and then went away for over a year, but it didn't feel uh, uncomfortable. Yeah. And uh, and we ate well, and uh, I look forward to doing it again. I was lucky enough to see um, both my mom last weekend, which when mm-hmm. I got to Harrisburg, I, I just cried because I hadn't been there in like 14 months or something. Mm-hmm. Longer than that, real. I mean, technically, I had been in Harrisburg for about two for about an hour when I thought my mom had died. <laughs> oh, yeah. And we like drove there in the night. Um, but you know, not in, I hadn't stayed in Harrisburg in you know since Christmas mm-hmm. of 2019. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, 15, 16 months, 18 mm-hmm. months. And um, then I got to see Devotee of the Pod, Sarah. Mm-hmm. Um, it had been her sister's wedding, and so we went to her sister's house, and her sister was lovely, and they have a lot of animals, which Elliot was very interested in. Mm. They have chinchillas. Wow. Um, and they How also fun. have cats named Spike and Giles. That's that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I know what that's from. <laughs> and then they just have a dog named Toby. <laughs> I like that. I like yeah. that better, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we all um went to their pool and you know Elliot was the only kid there so it was I felt fine with him being unmasked around all these vaccinated people and mm-hmm. it felt incredibly normal and good and um really thrilling and also thrilling because I had not seen Sarah in so long um yeah I saw you I've seen you before this weekend I had seen you more recently than I had seen Sarah by a lot mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um because of AWP. Because of AWP. And, um, yeah, I'm I'm feeling hopeful. I'll feel more hopeful when Elliot can get vaccinated. Yeah. Because, like, I'm not still taking him into stores and stuff. Mm-hmm. Unless it's, like, necess- like a necessity. We've, uh, we've got a release date for the French Dispatch. Yes. When is it again? I think it's not until October. It's October. Which is unfortunate, because I would love to talk about it in September. Yeah. I might trade a month with you. Um, <laughs> I'm if, okay with if, that, yeah. If you would allow that. Yeah, I'll allow that. Uh, because uh, the same weekend that the French Dispatch is now supposed to come out, also, Last Night in Soho, Edgar Wright's new movie right. is supposed to come out, right. which was also a, a subject of the podcast, Once Upon a Time. Yeah. So. And I would kind of rather devote a whole episode to those movies like than, a double feature. than talk about um than talk about Bandersnatch, which is my only other idea for what my <laughs> yeah. fall episode of the podcast was gonna be. I have to figure out what my next episode is gonna be on. Um I might actually... I might trade I I come to think of it, I might trade with you two times because I'd rather talk marvel in december yeah. than in november which was going to be our plan unless of course you had some idea of like a holiday deep theme thing that you wanted to do at the end of the year not yet no okay um well but i am very excited i have been catching up on the handmaid's tale and i'm very excited to talk to you about that i've been and, texting yes. you occasionally not not all the time not with every take but Spoiler. For example, when Law and Order Guy showed up, I just texted you, Law and Order Guy, in all caps. Yes, I remember. <laughs> yeah, spoiler alert, obviously, 
that's what we're talking about uh, next month. Yes. And uh, until then, uh, another great job, Liz. Thank you very much. Thank you. Love you well. Love you too. Bye. Bye. Will is on Twitter and Letterboxd at youngest of one, and his website is williamhoffacker.com. You can find Liz at exclamate on Instagram, at exclamate underscore on Twitter, or on her website, elizabethdeannamorrislakes.com. Our website is smugbuds.com, and the podcast is at smugbuds on Twitter and Instagram. 